0: Hello and welcome back to Talk and Shop. We are coming to you live on the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century, Uh, January 21st, 2021. Again, this is the uh, official podcast of the FSVU and Florida Flambeau sports section. Um, I am the host, Logan Grutchfield, and today I am joined by FSVU sports writer, uh, Ben Meyerson. Ben, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, I'm I'm just you know waiting for our waiting for the Knolls to to play Saturday against Clemson. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, but I'm doing good, Logan. I'm great. You mentioned uh, that thing about the the 21st though. That's really interesting. I did not uh, did not realize that.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw it plastered all over Twitter today. So it was it was really sticking in my brain. Um, ben, I'm glad you're doing good. I know for some FSU fans, obviously, it's been a pretty good week. Um, For men's basketball, there was a big, big victory over Louisville um, on Monday night. And then since we last talked, um, Florida State also beat North Carolina on Sunday night or Saturday afternoon. Excuse me. Um, And uh, some recent polls, most notably the last coaches poll um, has had FSU back in the top 25, but they didn't crack the um, most recent AP poll. Um, Ben. Uh, for our listeners who might not know, Ben has been covering a lot of basketball here, um, especially at the Tuck. So, Ben, I'd, I'd love to hear, you, you know, what what do you think's kind of contributed to that that recent rise after a, a kind of a rough winter break? You know, what do you think fans can look forward to?
1: Well, I think what fans should be looking at, especially like you, and I'm glad you mentioned that after that break, because ever since FSU's returned to play. Um, since the, in between the Clemson game and the NC state game, I believe, um, you know, ever since I returned back, they've just been incredibly efficient offensively. Uh, I mean, to, to a level that some of Leonard Hamilton's teams have never really seen just, just in these last three games that they've played, they've shot 50 plus percent from three, you know, and, and of course that's something that probably isn't sustainable, but it, FSU's offense is just so exciting to watch right now. Uh, I remember early early in the season, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in depth, but especially in that that Clemson game, um, the offense, just by the end of that game, it just wasn't fluid enough. The ball wasn't getting – the ball wasn't swinging. Um, The players didn't really seem comfortable in this offense yet. And I I think it really showed, you know, and I think the time off, what what people maybe don't – Realize or aren't talking about with this team is, you know, they needed those mental reps more than anything. Um, they really needed to 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 go back and, and and look at what the reads have been on offense this season, what they need to do better. And I'm and I just think a lot more, a lot more of these players are so much more comfortable, especially after that break. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing right now. You know, uh, within Leonard Hamilton's system, it can be hard to learn and especially with everything that's going on um, with this season, all of the extra that's going on with this season. So I've been really impressed, um, but just by the energy too. I mean, you tell me, Logan, I feel like these last three games have been some of the most energized that the seminal team has, has been almost all season.
0: I, I completely agree. You know, I was just thinking back. I had a, uh, I had a student ticket. To Saturday night's or Saturday afternoon, I don't know what's going through my brain. Um, Saturday afternoon's game against North Carolina. And that was a very close game. I mean, that was, I think North Carolina was definitely for once matching the energy, also matching the height of this FSU team, which not many teams are able to do. Um, after Monday night's game, for example, Louisville's head coach came out and said, We got punked by Florida State. I, I was blown away by that. And he meant just, you know, I mean, Florida State's got a big team. The anecdote I always love to share, probably overshare on this podcast, quite frankly, is uh, Coach Ham in a press conference and he gets a, a phone call from some kid and he's like, oh, I'm not picking up. That kid's 5'11". But, <laughs> um, yeah, and that know, was- I mean, he's got big guys. Um, he loves to move, you know, he loves to shuffle everybody in and out. Um, it's very obvious that, you know, if you're playing on, a, you know, if you're starting, that's not a big – it's not the biggest indicator of, you know, how much you'll be playing, um, uh, you know, for – you're not going to be playing necessarily for the all 40 minutes. But um, what I do think – you're spot on, Ben, and just the, the energy that this team has had has been through the roof. I, I remember being at that game and watching, of course, the game where they blew out NC State, and I was like, this team just do nothing but, you know – shoot from the perimeter and shoot free throws like for 24 hours over and over after that Clemson game it was absurd you know and Ben I know you've got a lot of thoughts about the past Clemson game and I think that this has really been a different team since that game so I'd I'd like to hear you know what what are you what changes
1: have you seen since then well I think you know Let's go back and, and look at that Clemson game a little bit because I think you know while while the UCF game early in in December was really frustrating, um, I think like you've been saying this this Clemson game that they came off was was probably the most frustrating game all year because uh, that Seminole team they had a chance to to really potentially close out the game versus Clemson and. Um, They just couldn't, and and there were a number of factors. If you just look at the box score after the game, I mean, a ton of things are going to jump out to you. The Seminoles were out-rebounded by nearly 15 boards. Um, Oh, my gosh. And if you look at the discrepancy, and this is the biggest thing I remember on Twitter, and after the game, all the writers were talking about the fact that Clemson shot 33 free throws to to the Seminoles' nine. Of course, the game was at Clemson, so you know they were getting – Probably more favors than they would have gotten um, tomorrow or Saturday in Tallahassee, yeah. um, you know. So, but that was but like you said, uh, th- this they were so frustrated after that Clemson game because I, and I think you know what the difference has been ever since they've returned is they're much more comfortable with leads. If you watch this team, not only have they been getting up in these last three games, but they get up and then they sustain those leads. The, the it, mm-hmm. I th- the, Like you said, that UNC game was somewhat close, but those other two games are nearly blowouts. I mean, you know, yeah. if you look at the box score of some of it, it might be a little deceiving, but uh, I, I forget. I think it was the Louisville game. They were up huge in the first half. And, oh, it was especially that NC State game. They were up big in the first half. So, uh, I, you know, I think this Clemson game that they have coming up, it's going to be a huge test for the Seminoles' offense. I mean, I think the the most recently updated uh, um, uh, uh, advanced statistics say that FSU is the twelfth uh, ranked offense in the country based on off efficiency and. Um, and Clemson's defense is really, really, really good. I mean, they they did so much against this team last time. So, you know, that that's the matchup I'll be looking at. I, I really want to see if this team, especially in the second half, especially later in the game, can really put um their their foot on the gas pedal. I, I think, you know, if if this team is is able to learn how to do that at a very high level and they understand and they make really key plays and key moments, um, that's what's going to help this seminal team. Uh, I think if you watch throughout the game, you see these little defensive plays all the time that the team will make tip passes, um, blocks, uh, anything, whether it's closing out passing lanes. There's all these really impressive plays, and I think what they need to do is, is really focus in on having those in, in key moments. So like I've been saying, at the end of the game, they can really just just put teams out. Um, if they can do that, I think the Seminole team is pretty unstoppable because like, like we've seen Logan um, recently, they just get out to really hot starts. I mean, the, the, this team is shooting lights out right now. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. And I think you make a great point just with the, um, you know, when you talk about little kind of defensive plays like that, you know, kind of, stealing the ball in transition and then, you know, dunking it, you know, late in a game, you know, those really, I think are big momentum swings for any team, you know, for, you know, kind of a big, you know, to get a real, you know, just a steal or whatever it may be that definitely kind of lifts everybody's spirits, especially if it's been, you know, kind of a rough run or, you know, and it really just kind of gets everyone's uh, blood pumping again. And I have definitely, I feel like I've noticed a lot more of those kinds of things like you just mentioned in the last few games than I can remember, um, you know, before, uh, before 2021 began. And as you said, this team, I don't know how comfortable they had been, you know, to give you a, 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 not a counterpoint necessarily, but a a good perspective. um, Yeah. I had Thomas Martinez on uh, last week, our editor. um, And he said that, you know, he would always almost feel more comfortable watching the Knolls play when they were behind, like late. You know, let's say it's like they're down by like you know five points with four right. minutes left. He's like, right. oh, you know, they got this. They they got this locked down. And I think for teams that Coach Ham ha- had uh, led in the past, that was a real. That I mean, that was a huge thing. And not to say that that's not you know that this team isn't able to come back but I think that the kind of the offensive efficiency that we've been seeing and then kind of the big you know um, I don't want to say flashy but kind of the you know momentum shift moments on defense I, I think those are you know I think that in in some ways this team kind of finding their own identity separate from you know I, I think in the fall, you know, it was definitely like, what's this team going to be like without Patrick Woods? Right. What's this team going to be like without Devin Vassell? What's this team going to be like without, I mean, I mean, you name it, you know, and to some degree that happens to every team every year. But I think that kind of process was just a little bit more protracted this year than it might've been. And I, and maybe it's just cause the, you know, talent level had, finally hit that point last year obviously last year with the you know premature end of the season it's always going to be what could it have been in 2020 you know that's going to dog that team i mean it it probably still dogs some of these players but i think now and that was what i've been thrilled to see recently but i'd like to you know do you think it's just a new element to their game or am i am i just kind of adding my own analysis onto that you know because i i definitely feel like there's it's it's almost a identity thing or something that can be an identity thing. But I, I, I'd i love to know if you think I'm wrong. Well, I think
1: you actually, you know, I, I hate to agree with you and just have a podcast where we're all agreeing with each other. But I think you hit the nail on the head. This team, they just did not have an identity in December. Um, and at times, you would see flashes. You would see the little defensive plays like we were talking about. Um, but especially offensively, I think if you go back and watch these first few games of the season the offense just isn't fluid enough um and and what i mean by that is is you know if you would go back and watch the clemson game i think it's one of the best examples especially in that second half um they would just really slow down and and not not be able to even swing the ball efficiently you know they, they they wouldn't be able to move the ball and it got really frustrating to watch by the end of that game because it was, just, it was just the same – it was this team, you know, trying the same strategy over and over and over and it not working over and over and over. Um, I think the difference has been, like you were saying, it's, it, it's the time they've had. Now well, – and I, and I mentioned it before, but, you know, and it really has to be, I think, overstated because the mental reps that these players had for, for two weeks while they weren't playing any basketball, especially for a Leonard Hamilton coach team – I'm sure helped them almost more than anything else this season, because after they were able to actually get playing and, and have time on the court that now they're able to really implement um all these coach ham um, principles that we know and love and, and really become a much more efficient team because of that. I, I, you know, this team, I, they, they almost have too many good players. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, no,
1: absolutely. You know, I
0: mean, same thing last year, you know. it was like, I mean, halftime. Patrick Williams wasn't even starting. Devin Vassell wasn't right. starting. You know, it's it's it, it's it's a great problem to have, but you got. Oh yeah, go no. And I was just
1: gonna say, just just off that, you know, I, I people should not be freaking out when they see Scotty Barnes coming off the bench. Does not mean anything at all. And you know, right before this, Logan, you were talking about this that. I think what we're really interested in is late in games, late in conference play, and especially in tournament play, what are our teams, you know, last five going to look like? So when we really get down to crunch time, what is that starting, not that starting, but that lineup going to be, um, you know, we know Ham loves to, to utilize his bench and utilize energy and really just to wear teams down with that. Um but I think the biggest challenge for this coaching staff this season is going to be figuring out that who, who those five players are at the end of the game. Because right now, I think, you know, I thought a few weeks ago there were six players you could put in that in that lineup. Now, I think there might be seven or eight. So um, <laughs> I can't imagine it's making life any easier for Coach Ham with all these great players coming off the bench, whether it's, you know, Sadir Calhoun or uh, Wyatt Wilkes, you know, just just recently recently. Um, And I think that's the other thing, too, that that we see with this team. Of course, it's with most Seminole and most Leonard Hamilton teams is, you know, there are people coming off the bench almost every night where, you know, you you almost weren't expecting them to play as good as, as they as they were. And it's it's been really refreshing lately to see not just, you know, the initial depth whether it be with Scotty Barnes, who's who I think is just going to be the sixth man for the rest of the season. But, you know, it's the rest of that bench that's just been really impressive to me. And, uh, you you know, if we go back and and look at this at the Louisville game, even it, it, you know, we played fantastic. But it it almost seems like everybody forgot that Anthony Polite didn't even play. Um, (laughs) That's
0: that's what I was going to ask you, Ben, um, is so. Wyatt Wilkes usually not starting. I mean, usually comes in one of the very productive um, bench players that you mentioned. Um, uh, As we know from, from what we know, Anthony polite was battling, not only a, uh, it was like a non COVID-19 related illness, fortunately. Um, And then coach ham also indicated that he, after the Louisville game, that he had like a shoulder injury that was bothering him. And then, um, Obviously, Scotty Barnes had uh, was dealing with the like uh, turned his ankle, I think, against uh, North Carolina State. So, you know, those are a couple of guys that I mean, it, it, you'd asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said they're mainstays in the starting lineup for quite right. a while. Right. And, and if I, if uh, I told the, you, yeah, starting lineups, nothing, but what do you, what do you make of that? that situation? Yeah. Well, and, and
1: Logan, I was, I was just going to say, you know, if I told you that uh, for, for this past Louisville game, if I told you at the beginning of the season that Anthony polite wouldn't play and MJ Walker would have two points, you, you would say, Oh, they probably didn't have that great of a game, but that's what's so impressive about this team. It's not just that they have the depth, but they have, this really deep team that really plays well together um, that's just been super impressive to me. Um, You know, and, you know, I think you can see it especially with Scotty, but um, what's, what's been really cool to me is like how we see these players just completely accepting the roles and and not just accepting them, but embracing them. I mean, Scotty didn't really even seem to be phased by the fact that he was coming off the bench. Um, So You know, that's what I really, really love about this basketball team. And I think that's what Seminole fans should love about this basketball team, because I think if we're going to look ahead here a little bit, do a little big picture, you know, they're going to be a very, very tough out for any top team in the NCAA tournament. Not just because, you know, like you said earlier, um, this is one of the tallest teams always, but actually this year, FSU has the tallest team in the country. And. And and along with that, of course, we know all these players are really, really skilled. So, you know, I think at almost any time against any team, you know, I I feel like Coach Hamilton and and his staff have all these different aces up their sleeve, not just one, but, you know, almost like four or five where they can just play any different hands and and just based off who the opponent is, get different results. So I think that's what, you know that's what Seminole fans should be really excited about and looking for, for the rest of the season. That's, I I think you
0: make a great, uh, plenty of great points there, Ben. Um, What I do want to ask you now is I was just looking at, you know, some kind of pregame analysis here for the, uh, for the Clemson game. And I was like looking at, you know, okay, who's been kind of leading the pack here for, um, for Clemson. And, you know, first, let me preface that by saying, you know, pre Louisville, I think that, and, you know, Coach Hammond constantly talked about this. He kind of felt like, you know, the defense would struggle against these kind of, you know, quick little guards that always seem to sneak by them. I mean, we saw that, you know, exhibit a was UCF where they just that up-tempo offense just ran all over FSU. Now I'm looking at, you know, for Clemson, it's, they've got Amir Sims, They've got Jonathan Bear and they've got Clyde Trapp who have been their three leading scorers. They're uh, nearly 40% of, every, of all the points that the Tigers have scored. But, you know, I mean, of those three, only Clyde Trapp is a, is a point guard. Um, Amir Sims and Jonathan Bear are forwards. So, I mean, just can you help me square that circle? You know, I mean, because Florida State obviously lost to them. Now we said it's a different team. Or and not a different, totally different team, obviously, but, a, you know, different look from FSU than we have seen to probably start the year. Um, I mean, how do you – and you covered that Clemson right. game, Ben. You know, what should fans be on the lookout for from Clemson? And, I mean, do you think FSU would be able to hold them off this time? I mean, like you said, 33 free, free throws for Clemson. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have a hard time, you know –
1: Right, right. And I think, you know, if you if you go back and, and look at that game, of course, we struggled, like you said, and you made a great point about those quick guards. But also and if you really if you listen to what um, Coach Hamilton's been saying lately, I think, you know, they really struggled in, in, in their interior defense for that game. And, and I believe it was Amir Sims who who really just. You know, he didn't score a lot of points, but what he did was he got the Tigers so many more possessions, and he gave them so many more okay. opportunities throughout that game. Um, just, just to really, um, get, you know, those second chance baskets, those offensive rebounds, um, he was doing a lot of the dirty work for that team. And, and, and you know, that's that's a trend I'm going to be really interested in for for this game, Logan. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. Is that you know, in these last three games, the Seminoles have had they've either out rebounded the team they've played against, or they've had the same amount. Um, but they really, really struggled uh, against Clemson rebounding. It was almost their worst game. So I think, you know, that's that's the matchup. That's the key matchup on, on defense. I think for the Seminole Seminoles are it's going to be that that interior defense. Um, just because uh, it. Balsa Kopravica uh, has really, you know, I think if, I think people were very critical of him earlier in the season for his defense. I think it's, it's really improving throughout the season. I think you can see that if you watch and um, I've been okay. really impressed with that. So, you know, I, I think that will be a really great test on Saturday um, and something people should really watch out for because right now I think it's a, a real deficiency of this team. Um, I, I, I believe it was against Indiana when their big man just completely dominated us and um you know that's that's just gonna have to be something where our team either decides to to step up and really change something about their scheme against teams like this against against teams like Clemson who can really pound you in the interior, but then you know. So I think from from that you know perspective it's going to be a really interesting matchup because I think unlike any of these last three games, um, they'll be really challenged on the boards and, and in fact, I think they probably won't win the battle um, but I you know as long as they really i think as, as long as they hold their own and, and like we were talking about earlier, it's all about those key possessions if if they can just not get bullied off and 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 give the tigers second chance opportunities at the end of the game and when the game is really close in the last five minutes, you know, then I think the Seminoles can, can very easily win, um, you know, and I think that's something to, to really watch.
0: That's, I think, yeah, I completely agree. If they can kind of keep the pedal to the metal going um, late in the game um, and not, you know, kind of let the Tigers claw their way back in, that's just, that's critical um one of the last major questions i've got for you ben um looking at just the kind of defensive output of of this team um i know obviously it was not where um coach ham wanted it to be um going into i mean louisville i think was definitely a better effort but it was also just an an incredibly a, a, a great a smooth performance offensively for FSU. Um, I mean, do you think that, and I think defense was definitely a big hallmark of like we talked about, you know, pre 2021 FSU teams um, or pre this season, I should say, you know, do you think that we may not see the level of just defensive, you know, performance that we might be used to and that this kind of might be a, just a, you know, score, score, score team or what do you think i
1: I, I i think i'm i'm going to tend to agree with you on this one i think we're just a very good scoring team this year um and for me i don't think it's that our team is weak defensively um i, I think they're i think Perfect. they're good they're okay they can hold their own and you know especially later in the season i think this coaching staff is going to do a lot better job of of who's playing together and um, who's guarding who and what kind of defensive um, rotations we have. So, you know, I think that's something to watch throughout the season. But also I think, like you've been saying this, this team was, I think before the break, they really just didn't have much of an identity. And now they're really clinging to this offensive identity where, you know, they're taking a lot of threes, they're taking quick baskets, they're, they're getting the most efficient shot. Um, and I think I actually, because of that, at, at times it can hurt their defense because they are playing so fast. Um, but also, um, you, you know, I think this, this team just like we've been saying, they have those, those great little plays all, you know, all, all, throughout the game. Um, they make some really key steals blocks and they, they put teams in a really tough spot. And, you know, often at the end of games, when we need a stop, we can get a stop. So. You know, mm-hmm. I I think the problem is defensively, they just really don't have much of, of an identity. Um and I and I wonder, and, and like you were saying, I, I wonder if if it's an offensive thing or if this team just isn't built for that. Um, or if they aren't quite to the level that we would expect of a normal Leonard Hamilton team. Um, but I also think they have an opportunity to get a lot better throughout the season. So I, I don't think we should write them off anyway in that aspect but I would definitely like to see much better energy and um and I think they've had better energy recently but also just just better play overall because I think this team defensively can be much better than they are and I feel like they've only really scratched the surface in terms of their skill level um so we'll see um you know I'm gonna be really really interested though to see how the rest of the season plays out for the defense because you know I, I think we should acknowledge this. This offense isn't going to last, at least at this level. I think they'll be very efficient. They'll be great. But shooting 50 plus percent from three, I think in these last few games and 90 plus percent from the line, you know, that those aren't really sustainable numbers. Um, right. But I think what what is really great is, is that if you watch throughout the game, they're, they're getting the best shot almost every single possession they have. And, and that's, what's great to watch about this seminal team. That's yeah. I think that's the
0: most important disclaimer that you make right there that, you know, what we're seeing is, is definitely, a, a, you know, just putting on a clinic in terms of shooting. Um, but obviously besides that, you know, this team is definitely stepping into, stepping into themselves in a way um, and just kind of, you know, finding who they are. So, I mean, you make a great point. Um, it, even if the defensive performance is not what we might expect i'd also add that you know coach Ham is nothing if not dynamic as right. a coach, so i'm not worried that this team's going to get you know stuck in the mud or anything like that. I will note that um Clemson's defense has been one of the um better ones so far in the ACC and in the country uh, they've only held uh, opposing teams to sixty two points a game. So I think that, you know, both teams, in a sense, that's going to be kind of – I mean, obviously, watching FSU's offense is always yeah. going to be the thing to watch. But I think that they might have their hands full, and Clemson will have their right, hands full defending right. them. You know, I don't know that Clemson has played – well, obviously, they had played FSU earlier in the season. But but like we discussed, I think the changes that have been made since that um, have been have – Yeah, been yeah. So and I, I wanted to you know, mention really quick
1: – you know, I think one thing we have to um you know and the way we've been talking about this is that uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, that Clemson game was really frustrating earlier in this early in the season. If if you if you watch, especially at the, the end of yeah. that game. But you know, FSU is coming off three straight wins and, and Clemson is actually coming off two straight losses. So I I think that's gonna be really interesting in terms of you know, an energy perspective, because I think this is the the uh, this will be one of the first times this, this season where, you know, this team will be very, very confident and they'll be playing a, a And they'll be playing a team that they know is going to be a, a real challenge. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting from that aspect because, you know, will we see this, this FSU team rise to the occasion, or will we see Clemson rise to the occasion? I, I, that's going to be really interesting to me because, you um, you know, you're looking at two teams that are at two very different viewpoints in the last week and have two different types of energy to energies to them. And um, that's that's going to be really interesting, I think, on Saturday. Yeah,
0: I think that this game definitely gives um, is definitely going to be one to watch for FSU fans of, of all stripes. Um Uh, I think Ben. Any final thoughts from you on that game, or just what we can expect for um for men's ball before I do want to turn to women's a little bit. I know that they're playing as we speak, so you know we may have to push that Clemson analysis for the women's team back to next week. But um,
1: any well, I just wanted to mention from that uh from the men's Louisville game. I, I know everyone um loved the play. I think it was when Malik Osborne had that great dunk. Um, but but I want to say my my favorite play uh, of that game and maybe of this season was uh, was watching uh, balsa kopravitza run 70 feet or steal the ball, run 70 feet uh, in transition against three defenders put the ball up and and then put it back down. I mean it, it, it was some really impressive stuff and I I'm really interested to see not just only his his how his interior skills improve. Throughout the season and on defense, but I really would love to see him in more of that playmaker role. You know, I, the basketball in general is starting to move to a point where we're more positionless. Um, you know, there aren't the traditional five man lineups that you would normally see. And I think with Balsa, what he can do for our offense in terms of keeping things moving. Um, not letting the offense really sputter and slow down. I, th- I think he can really be key in that aspect. And I think, you know, people should really watch for that throughout the rest of the season. Um, he, he really impressed me in these last few games as, as a playmaker and um, just, just overall offensively, he looks so much more comfortable. Um, and of course, that's a lot of the players on this team. But I thought, you know, he in particular stuck out to me in that aspect. Yeah,
0: no, I was definitely he, he. definitely ran. I thought very, very well for a big man. That was a, that was definitely anything is possible if he can if he can run that length of the court and put that ball up and down. So I do want to go, um, you know, for a bit here into just talking about um, uh, the women's team. Um, I obviously I'm biased. Uh, my last piece was about uh, Bianca Jackson, who I'll, I'll talk about here. I think she's done um, a lot in only six games. You know, her impact on the team um, it takes a, lot of, a little bit of behind-the-scenes understanding. So I was lucky to chat with her last week and then get to hear from her. But um, besides that, uh, obviously this Louisville game was uh, not what FSU fans were hoping for, especially after the women's team had had – I mean, game after game after game canceled, had to play, you know, had to wait over three weeks to play. And then in women's basketball, we're now seeing uh, Virginia and Duke have canceled their seasons as well, Um, which is uh, obviously not what any women's basketball fan would want to see. But um, again, against Louisville, I think it was just a really, really frustrating result, Um, 84 to 56, was the final score um, obviously Louisville being in the winning margin there and what I was most struck by in that game was that it wasn't a particularly bad shooting game for FSU I wouldn't even go so far as to call it a a horrible defensive game or anything like that I think that um, FSU just well first of all they only had eight players available. Yeah, that
1: game. I, I was um, going to but... mention that, Logan. I think that's that's the disclaimer we have yeah. to give. Is of course, like you were saying, this this uh-huh. team is coming off three weeks where they didn't play at all. But you know, they only had they only had eight players to suit up uh, against Louisville, and I, I think you could see by the end of the game, it was really wearing this team out. They weren't able to get that normal bench energy that they that they would get. um, and I think they really, really struggled because of it, um, and, and 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 like you said, we've seen, plenty, we've seen two, I believe you said, uh, ACC teams already cancel their season, and um, I you know, I I really would will be interested to see what happens with our program over the next few weeks because of course we want them to continue, but um, I I also think at the same time I was reading that that they're the uh, they're the team with the lowest amount of games played that is. Yet to cancel their season, so um, I, I'll yeah. be really interested to see over these next few weeks how the program reacts to that. Um, and you know, I, for me, I, I feel really, really bad for for Coach Brooke Wyckoff um, in her first interim season. You know, uh, she she's get, she had she's getting her chance, of course, to to show her head coaching chops. You know, but at, at the same time, she's she's really not even because of how convoluted and, and, and all the, the extra uh, of the season. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really interested just to see how, you know, what, what the energy is around this program over the next few weeks, um, because I think, you know, and of course we don't want this to happen, but I was starting to think by the end of last week that we could maybe see the season postponed or, or canceled um, uh, just because of the amount of games. And, and like I mentioned earlier, um, but but we'll see, and um, I, I'm just really interested to see how this team bounces back, because I'm sure they were excited to come back to play, you know, even if it was an opponent they were outmatched against, and they really didn't even have a lot of players for, um, but, you know, so I, I'm excited for, for, for Coach Brooke Wyckoff, because, um, you know, I want to see what she does with this opportunity, because I think she's a really great coach, and she's a, probably a future head coach um, in her own right, so, you know, it'll be really interesting from that aspect. I, I want to see how this team bounces back.
0: I I certainly agree, and I think yeah, talking about just the um, y- you know, the major roth roster deficit that FSU was facing. I mean, they're c- quite clearly just you know behind the eight ball. Louisville's the number two team in the country, likely going to be number one. Stanford lost to uh, Colorado, so um. That's looking like – I mean, to just get faced up like that against when you have eight players, and and one of whom, Eza Nicoletti has been recovering – or is easing back into action this season. You know, I still – I mean, I'm not sure that she's still at like 100% strength yet. Obviously, she's been doing well. But, um, I mean, I get the sense that, you know, they were really throwing the kitchen sink at Louisville. And even that was just – you know, when you're facing – louisville at that level i mean louisville put up 35 bench points to three for fsu um and i I was surprised quite honestly that florida state was able to hang with them for as long as they did i mean it was you know fairly close um let me pull up the margin here but it was um i mean just a tight game quite honestly it was okay Louisville was up by 12 going into the half. It was 17 17 after the first quarter. And I, I think late in the third quarter, they had that 18 8 run to kind of close out the quarter. And at, at that point, I think it's just the exhaustion sets in. The, you know, I mean, that's just, you know, they really kind of had the deck stacked against them in that game. Um, now, one thing I know we spent a great deal of time talking about this was um maybe not this week as much you know now with men's getting back in the swing of things but last week i spent a great deal of time talking about you know how um we were pondering how the men's team might respond to a a really just kind of a longer break in you you know without having played and they obviously came out quite well um uh that wasn't the case obviously I'd add that there was a lot more uncertainty involved with the women's team but um I mean just two very different first games back there I mean is there any substance do you think to that kind of conversation that we've had or again we don't know what the preparations are like obviously Florida State is coming back you know facing COVID issues of their own so um I mean you know but do you think those circumstances that are all are, are well, you know I, I
1: think really? those circumstances are, are pretty fair to compare I think if you look the two teams I believe missed about the same amount of time um that they were uh, away for, mm-hmm. from the court you know but I, I think also in the same right like you were saying this women's team has faced so much more uncertainty um uh, w- w- with the men's team, um, you know, I I don't know how much they knew about everything beforehand, but they seemed to be pretty on top of what games they were playing and what games they weren't. I remember his pr- his first co- uh, press conference back. Um, Coach Hamilton told reporters that he was very very confident that the team would be playing. So I you know I think. Um, y- you know, I think like you're saying, like we were saying earlier, uh, they were playing one of the hardest teams in the country against Louisville, the women's team. Um, they they only had eight players. And, and I do want, want to mention, like you were saying, Isabella Nicoletti, um, she, she's coming off two major knee injuries. I mean, back-to-back years. So um, overall, yeah. I think they were in just a really, really bad position. And quite frankly, you know, I, I they were due to play... Number three, NC State tonight, and instead they're playing Clemson currently. But you know they may have dodged a bullet, in my opinion, because I think you know having to play the two of the top three teams in your first two games back in a COVID protocol season that would just completely destroy the energy and um, the confidence of a team, quite frankly. So um, I, you know, I'm really like like you said, I I think um, it's pretty comparable. Um, but but with that women's game, with their first game, um, I just think they were in a really really bad position. Uh, I think that's what that game game came down to. True. So yeah. we'll see how they respond in, in these next few games, and um, I really hope we see them respond well because I think they'll have um, a few opportunities to do so. And um, you know, like I said though, I I feel I do feel really really bad for for Coach Brooke Wyckoff with this being her first season as a well she is interim head coach but she's acting head coach and um you you know that you don't get years back on on your coaching resume so um i i feel for her a lot but also i think you know it it seems like they're, they're back playing tonight like we said and um hopefully they can play the rest of the season out as much as possible and um We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really interested because I think you know they have a bit of a clean slate to work. Certainly, on, really. I mean, they've only played six games. I, I believe Clemson they're playing tonight has played twelve. So, um.
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And um,
1: so I'm just looking
0: right now. The second, the first half has just finished up here, um, and Florida State is leading thirty-seven to thirty-three. Um, looking like another solid night here from Bianca Jackson and Sammy Puesis. So I think really is kind of. Found a new element to her game after last season, her freshman season. Morgan Jones, um, they're leading the team in scoring so far. Um, so that'll th- this will be obviously next week. I'll have a great deal to talk about with this. Um, but yeah, I would say my take on the the season uh, conversation, Ben, is that I think it's a real testament to. I would and I I would argue that this kind of sentiment would be close to universal unless it's a major, major public health emergency, Um, which, again, it is. I don't want to sound like I'm being dismissive. But, I mean, I think for FSU, being able to play with eight players against a Clemson team that was a brutal loss um, and Clemson playing at full strength, I, I think that's just a testament to how the desire to get this season done you know, or to get it played through as much as they can, especially I think maybe having seen what went on with the NFL and college football, I think for virtually all of these athletes, they want to get a season in, even if it's, you know, at, at significant risk to them, you know, they, this is what they've worked their whole lives for. So, um, I, am um, obviously everybody's got their fingers crossed for the best health outcomes, but, um, I do think that, you know, this
1: season, um, I, I think everybody wants to get it played through. Yeah, as, absolutely. As, as and I, I think that's, you know, the thing this team has to be really excited about is that they're playing basketball again, and that they're going to get plenty of opportunities um, for the rest of the season to, to move up and to move up into the rankings, hopefully. And you know, I, I think what what. What we have w- with our with our women's team is, um, like you said, just just a real opportunity for for these players who have worked their whole lives and who only have this w- specific window of time where they can play this at a high level or even be eligible to play. You know, I I that's what this season is for. It's for those athletes who have been who've been fighting for for that yeah. right to to be able to play and, and that privilege and you know, I'm, I'm really happy for the players in that aspect because, you know, they're able to come back and, you know, I, I hope, we'll, well, like, like you said, we're ahead in that Clemson game. Um, but I, I'm very hopeful for the rest of the season with the women's team. I think things were looking very bleak um, at, at a certain point. I know we all certainly felt like, well, when is this team going to play again? You know? um, But uh, now that they are yeah. back, back and playing, um, you know, I just I, – I love and I want to keep seeing the uh, energy out of this team that, that we've been seeing.
0: Certainly. And I want to get – I want to hear from you about um, – obviously, I, I wrote about Bianca Jackson last week and what she has done um, for this team. So she is currently <laughs> leading the team in minutes. I think a lot of that might be attributable to just kind of the, you know, COVID ins and outs um, from the lineup that we've seen as well um, but she's also been I mean one of the top scores in the top three for scoring I believe um, been a great rebounder as well for FSU and when I was talking to her talking to um, uh, coach Wyckoff coach Brooke last week and then also uh, talking to their Steve Stone as well they all I mean just were talking about so she actually is transitioning to point guard and this is her first season doing that. So, I I mean, I was just kind of surprised. I mean, it's like you're leading the team in minutes and you're just playing your first six, seven games at point guard, when she's previously playing at, you know, closer to the wing um, at South Carolina. And then also she had sat out for a year um, due to eligibility restrictions uh, before getting coming into this year. Um, Ben, I, I wanted to ask you, I mean would you possibly be able to give I know you're definitely um you know got always have interesting analysis for basketball particularly um you know the kind of challenges that might come with that transferring for South Carolina sitting out for a year um coach Wyckoff did say that she got a lot of experience um running the scout team in this position and that they made it kind of clear that this a situation like this might be expected but I was wondering would you possibly be able to give any insight into what kind of a challenge that might be for a player um and I I mean any well and I think you really that you um, might hit the seen?
1: nail on, on the head there or, or <laughs> you, uh, you you kind of put that point really great is that it's such a hard transition and um you know, moving from, from wing to point guard and having to have that control of the offense and have all the decision-making go through you. Um, and, and I think that's especially impressive. And, yeah. and and I know we're all living it, so we don't think about it. But you just mentioned all the obstacles she had to overcome. But, you know, within all of that, they pretty much haven't really been able to practice this year. They really aren't able to to – get the the time that they usually would be able to get, um, you know, in a normal season. So, you know, that's, what's been, I think what stood out to me the most is that, you know, not only is she, is she making this transition and, and is doing it really well, you know, which I think, I think a lot of, if you look at our history, um, a lot of transfers are, are able to kind of establish themselves on this women's team. Um, but, you know, just with all the other challenges um, that the season faces, that, that's been incredibly impressive to me because, you know, usually, especially moving to such a cerebral um, position where you're making so many more decisions, you know, not having that time that you would usually have, I'm sure, makes it so much more harder um, um, for her. And, you know, I've, I've been really, really impressed with the transition, like you've been saying. I think you made some great points there.
0: Absolutely. And she was just, you know, having watched this team, hers was definitely a a, a story that I wanted to, to point out. Um, And I, I just, you know, I think that what she's been able to do and what that team in particular has been able to do, you know, just given the, the, you know, ravaging from COVID that they've kind of had to deal with um, is substantial and should certainly be noted. Um, That being said, I don't want to get too, ahead of myself in this in an analysis of this team you know when when they're currently playing and you know we we kind of can fully evaluate what they're doing so um ben i i want to ask you any final thoughts (laughs) Um we've been yabbering on for a while here so um any final thoughts from you on on you know men's basketball women's basketball um anything Um, i don't think i have anything much
1: more for you but i think i just did want to um mention uh one thing is that and I I think you know I I think with this Florida State team this season we can almost break the season up into two parts and I I think that's what's going to be really interesting is you're going to have to look at this team ever since they've returned is almost a completely different team at least offensively they are Um, whether it's you know Raekwon Gray having more ball handling duties or Scotty Barnes coming off the bench instead of starting. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of tinkering and a lot of changes and we're going to see a lot of different looks for the Seminole team. So I think Seminole fans should be really interested um, because I think, you know, especially in a season and, and like you've been saying, you know, we want everyone to remain healthy. We want everyone to be safe. You know, I, th- I think of course that's what everyone is feeling, but I hope, but I think it's fair to mention, you know, that we could be missing players from time to time and with as deep of a team as we have, you know, we don't have, we we won't be in a position, you know, where we don't have enough guys or where we don't have enough guys to fill certain spots. You know, if, if you look throughout the season, there were a lot of teams that were in bad situations, you know, whether they might not have a center for a game or, something else like that, you know, that it would really hurt teams. Um, and I think what, what Florida State fans have, have to look forward to is the fact that, you know, this team is so deep. And like we were saying earlier, or I think we were agreeing on this earlier, that there's almost too many good players on this team. So you know, that's what I, I'm, I'm really interested in for the rest of the season yeah. for this men's basketball team is, is um, do they – you know, I, of course, Hamilton isn't going to whittle down the amount of players he plays, but, you know, who, who are going to be those key mainstays? Um, and I, I think, you know, we've been seeing uh, a little bit of spark, especially from guys like Wyatt Wilkes. I, I think he's going to be playing a lot more throughout the season. But, you know, I, I'm sure there are plenty of other players who, who um, just haven't been put in the right position yet this season to really showcase their, uh, their talents. So, you know, that's what I'm really interested in. I think with all the different matchups that we could face and with all the, the different, um, problems that we'll face defensively, um, you you know, all with all the different lineups we can throw at people, um, you know, I want to see how, how the coaching staff works through that because I think that's one of the biggest challenges of this season, um, is really, really, really whittling that down and, um, you know, Figuring out, you know, who you want for certain types of situations, um, you know, that's what this team is really going to be looking at, especially before the tournament.
0: Absolutely, I, I think you make a great point there. And I'd say uh, a comparable situation might be, you know, for the women's team, you know, kind of pre and post, you know, big COVID withdrawal that they've had. And I think also, you know, we haven't seen as much, but I think there's, you know, a lot to say, for obviously. Bianca Jackson stepping into the role that uh Nikki Okamu played last year um as the point guard, really kind of, you know, leading this team. And then I think um we've seen kind of a similar situation with Sammy Polis stepping into I I I'd almost want to say what uh Naj Wolfok or, or Kaya Gillespie did in the past, a really kind of high scoring forward. So um I, I think there's a lot and it's kind of important to understand. The pieces that moved in and out in the past few years, and then how players respond to that. So, um, on that note, (laughs) I I think we talked about quite a bit with these two teams um, tonight. So, again, Ben, thank you so much. I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, you have a good one too, Logan. Um, And I hope you have a good one. All righty, and you can find Ben and I's work in FSU in Florida, Flambeau on the white dispensers on campus beginning on Mondays. Or you can always find it online. This has been another episode of Talk and Chop. Thanks so much for tuning in and get ready for another episode next week.